0: To another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd, and I'm Craig. Well, Craig, we're wrapping up our month of sequels with a movie that I was actually really looking forward to doing. Uh, it's Return of the Living Dead Part Two. Came out in 1988. We saw Return of the Living Dead, and um, it's an earlier podcast. I know we both enjoyed it. I think I probably enjoyed it more than you did. But it is a pretty bizarre movie, fun, and uh, kind of a horror comedy. Well, it's very much a horror comedy, written and directed by a guy named Dan O'Bannon, who was responsible for the Alien movie and and other movies we've done on here, like Night of the Creeps, uh, Dead and Buried. This sequel, he had nothing to do with. Uh, In fact, most of the people involved in the original, except for a few of the actors, also bizarrely, um, didn't Mm -hmm. want to have anything to do with the sequel as well. They didn't even like the script, and so I didn't really know that before watching this movie, so I was able to kind of come into it and judge my own opinion. I, I was excited to see that a couple of the main actors were coming back again uh, to do roles that were completely different, which is a little strange to have a sequel to a movie and have two characters, actors come back but play completely different characters. But they had good chemistry in the first movie, and... true. Well, I don't know. For what it's worth, I watched this film, and I... I did not really uh, enjoy the experience as much as I had hoped. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Let's just just lay all our cards on the table. How about you, Craig? I I hadn't seen this before. How about you?
1: Oh, man. No, I hadn't seen it either. And I don't know. I wouldn't say that I loved the first one, but you recommended it. And it was fun. It had, you know, its moments, and um, Linnea Quigley was in it, and we yeah. love her, <laughs> and that was, that was a lot of fun, and she was really good in it, and so I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, I didn't have, like, really super high expectations or anything, but, I, okay, I'll set it up like this. Okay, so I was really busy the day before we were supposed to do this, and I didn't have time to watch it during the day, and... My partner and I were performing in this deal, and we were busy all that day or whatever, and then he said, it's okay, don't worry about it, we can watch it together. And I said, "I well, it's not going to be one that you're going to like, it's, it's going to be pretty stupid. And he's like, it's fine, we can watch it together.
0: <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time, I'm sure he said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, right. And uh, so... I put it on and we started watching it together and half hour, a half an hour into it, 23 minutes into it. Actually, I said, I can't do this. I can't make you do
0: this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he was really nice about it. And then the next day uh, I was watching it and uh, I finished it and he was like, well, so what'd you think? And I was like, it was awful. And he was like, I know.
0: Thanks for not making me watch the whole thing. <laughs> well, when you're watching a movie like this, and especially when you have some some hopes for it, at least, you know, some preconceived notion, and you want to enjoy it, you get about, you know, 20, 30 minutes in, and you have start to have these feelings, which were very similar to me. Like, oh, this is going to be funny, like the first movie. And then it's like... Oh, it's really kind of slapsticky, And, oh, this is really kind of trying to be like Steven Spielberg at the same time, with the kid angle. and Yeah. And then it just seemed to be a bit of a mess. You really hope that by the end of it, maybe the movie's going to redeem itself. You know, if I just keep watching a little longer, maybe by the end, I'm going to come around to it. And it just goes off the rails and stays there, I think. At the end of the day, it's it's not really fun to watch. It's just... I don't know, man. I think the original movie had such heart to it. I went ahead and watched a documentary on the making of uh, Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which you can see on YouTube, which I highly recommend, especially because the the part about the first movie is is way longer than the part about the second movie, and they get almost all of the original actors and the special effects people from there talking about it. You know, the story behind the first movie is really quite interesting. This whole series, Return of the Living Dead, has... Five movies in it now. I think the last two were released straight to DVD. This one was theatrically released and was received poorly. The first one was received quite well and and continues to be received well. I've heard that the second one has a bit of a cult following now. I really don't know why. Uh, And then there was a third one that kind of took a different direction and, and I don't think did so well either, but maybe was a notch above this one from what I hear. I don't know if we'll ever get to watching it. But, you know, the original producer of the first movie, Russo, was one of the co-producers with George Romero of the original Night of the Living Dead movie. And they decided to part ways after that, but they both wanted to do some additional movies and so they had this agreement that if george romero could take his films and use dead in the title Mm -hmm. so he has night of living dead dawn of the dead you know all that yeah yeah. and then russo could take his and and put living dead in the title and so that's why we have living dead this is all return of the living dead and so there's spiritual successors in that uh, even in the first movie it references george romero's movie basically saying the movie exists in that universe and then they say but that's not the real story this is really how it happened and that's kind of what we get but dan o'bana with the first movie and i think it's worth with talking about here just because we got to make the comparison this was summed up very eloquently by one of the actors in the in the film is that he really made a horror movie first that also had comedic elements? Like the whole movie is pretty silly and it's pretty fun, and it still has some pretty scary moments. The special yeah. effects are really good. Yeah, um, that um, tar monster, tar zombie, or whatever in the beginning who goes brains? You know, I mean, yeah, so cool. And this movie tries to recapture that magic, and it tries way too hard. Uh huh. It kind of takes everything to a Three Stooges level of comedy, and it turns it from playing it straight to being overtly, trying to be overtly funny. Not as far as like an airplane type movie where there's a sight gag in every frame, but definitely compared to the first movie, it just feels like they're trying way too hard, and it shows, and it removes a lot of the heart and the fun out of it. And the horror kind of takes a back seat, even though the special effects guys and the makeup guys from the original movies went on to work on this movie, despite the fact that nobody loved the script. I mean, nobody did. So the special effects are great in this film, actually, I think. yeah, There's some good moments, just like there were in the first movie. Um, But it's just not enough to overcome a really lame script, and it just feels like a slog to get through. It feels like it's way too long and, and... it just doesn't have that heart. And the funny thing is, uh, and I read this in the trivia as well as you probably did, but then um, on this documentary, they keep talking about how the director himself, who wrote the script, didn't even seem that invested in it. No. He, he was another one of these guys who came in, even though he wrote this script, he doesn't really like horror movies. He was doing this, and everybody uh, involved said, you know, great guy as a person. But on the set, you know, his lack of enthusiasm just infected everybody else. And at one point, you know, one guy said, I'm not even sure why I'm here, you know, doing this. And I think all of that pretty much comes across on the screen.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just, it was weird. Like, it has a weird feel from the beginning. And I don't know, you know, I'm not a filmmaker, so I, I can't really speculate. But I don't know if, you know, when filmmakers go into making a movie if they have a target audience in mind, but this felt to me like if there was a target audience in mind, this felt like it was a movie for 13-year-olds at a sleepover. Yeah. I I can kind of see how if you were... 13 and you had a bunch of guy friends or girlfriends over and you were just wanting to goof maybe it would be kind of fun but I just I don't know like it, and it, it did feel weird like it felt like it was made for kids yeah but yeah. At, at the same time I don't I, I you know in the 80s was a this came out in the 80s right yeah, What was the year on this? 1988. Yeah, late 80s. You know, filmmakers were doing that in the 80s, making horror movies for kids. And, and that's what this felt like to me. And it, um, it's rated R. I really don't think that it should be rated R. Uh, and I heard that, uh heard, I didn't hear anything. I read that it <laughs> wouldn't have been rated R had it not been for one scene where a zombie gets cut in half, and then both halves of the body are, like, running amok or whatever. It, it would have gotten a PG-13 if they had pared that down a little bit. But even that, I mean, it's not like it looked real or anything, you know? Yeah. It was it was very special effectsy and not particularly gruesome. I, I don't see how... It, merited an R and it just, uh, God, I I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but it it just really didn't work for me. I love horror movies that are made for kids. Love them. Yeah, we're big fans. (laughs) Yeah, huge fan. But uh, this one just didn't work. It wasn't, I don't know. It was dumb.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just... I just think it it existed in this ether somewhere in between. You know, it really couldn't commit to any one of these ideas because I don't feel like there was much direction behind it. It really isn't a solid horror movie. It's it's not a solid funny comedy. It's not really a good action adventure kind of film because it's got huge pacing problems there and urgency issues, Uh, and it doesn't really commit either to this sort of kids. I mean, there's kind of it's almost bookended by this by the, the kids involved but it's not like a Goonies type or Adventures in Babysitting type you no. know, romp through the zombie world at all it still is mostly centered around adults uh, and even though one of the main villains it turns out I mean to call him a villain is kind of tough because he starts in the beginning and comes in at the end but he's a kid and there's you know the kid who's a thread through the movie, but hardly has much to do. It just kind of floats around, and you just you can't hook your mind into it in any way that's terribly engaging, I think. And so it's just one of those movies where, for me anyway, I'm just sitting there watching the action unfold and waiting for it to be over. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> you know
1: it would be worth it to kind of set up how things start. I mean, it starts out with this, you know, voiceover exposition. In the fall of 1969, the Daryl Chemical Company, under contract to the U.S. Army, conducted a series of secret experiments with a new biological weapon called 245-trioxin. According to reports, the chemical was a catalyst in genetic reactification, What this meant and why trioxin was useful has never been revealed. But one thing is certain. Trioxin was soon considered too dangerous and volatile, even for experimental use. Interest in the lethal compound was abandoned several years ago. The Army will not comment other than to say all trioxin has since been destroyed. So we we see these military trucks carrying these big barrels. that are supposedly, you know, carrying this incredibly toxic substance, but they're just, like, in this open truck with, like, a nylon strap around them or whatever. One of the barrels falls out, of course, or a couple of barrels fall out, and they fall into, like, this river or creek or something. And then we cut to suburbia, and we meet this kid, this little kid Jesse, who's going to kind of be the main kid throughout. He's this young blondish kid. He's, like, the good kid, and then there are a couple of, like, bad kids that are I don't know. Trying to initiate him into some kind of club, but it all seems
0: like m- maybe they're playing a joke on him or something. I don't know. It's not like he's walking down the street and he's getting bullied. He sees these kids out the window. He grabs one of his comic books and he runs down like he's trying to appease them. Yeah, like he wants to be in their club or something. But they're the mean kids. I don't know. But then he says he doesn't want to be. I mean, then it's like they're pushing him to be in their club. And like what? What? What was your goal here? I, I didn't. I didn't get that. It seemed. It seemed clunky.
1: They they try to push him into this mausoleum and they say it's their playhouse or whatever and they're going to initiate him, but he doesn't want to go in there, so he runs away and he runs into this drainage pipe to try to hide. But they find him, but they also find this big barrel and they take like the lid off or whatever and we see one of these creepy, gross zombies in the barrel. And then, this is where it gets... I suppose it could be funny, and I'm not sure what they were trying to do. I guess trying to appeal to fans of the first movie. But then we meet these two other characters, Ed and Joey, who are both actors... From the first movie, Ed is played by uh, James Karen, and Joey is played by Tom Matthews. And they are playing virtually the exact same characters that they played in the first movie. They just have different names, and they're supposed to be different people. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's so weird. It is. Ed has hired Joey to help him
0: like in his grave digging endeavors or whatever. This is the thing about this movie too, is that part of what's so unappealing about it is it almost seems to be ripping off of the first movie. It in some ways it's almost telling the same story. Yes. Because these two are working together, right? Ed is the leader. That's exactly what we had in the first one. And Joey's the guy who's kinda of going along with it but kind of unsure, the Greenhorn. And they're still doing something with medical stuff. But Ed's robbing graves because he's got to unearth skulls because people will buy skulls but they'll only buy them if they're, like, freshly buried. So they're going into a mausoleum to get these, and then they spend hours in the mausoleum. And in the meantime, they've got a woman named Brenda, who is, uh, I guess, Joey's girlfriend, or... Yeah, yeah. And she's sitting out in the van waiting for them. So, broad daylight, these guys are just popping into the cemetery by the side of the road and robbing graves for skulls. And again... Uh, the same kind of dynamic, and the same thing happens to them.
1: Even, they even repeat the same some of the same lines yeah. from the
0: first movie. Um, like,
1: Ed says something like, if you like this job, you'll do this, or whatever. And the other guy's like, if I like this job... Like, it's verbatim from the first movie, which is so weird. Jesse, the little good kid, escapes the mausoleum, um, but then the bad kids go back and let this swamp gas out of the... barrel, or whatever. Then, again, we have the same thing from the first movie, but it's just so fast and so clunky. Like, the swamp gas, like, brings on a storm, and brings on, like, all this smoke that rolls into the graveyard. And then... Okay, so we're probably, what, like, I don't know, 10-15 minutes into the movie at this point. And then it's just thriller yeah for the next hour like like that, that's literally all it like it's thriller and then cut to our characters doing some things that are really unimportant and then thriller again and <laughs> then cut like it like seriously like every other scene is just a a shot of like these hordes of zombies walking towards the camera backlit with all this you know smoke and fog and they're doing their zombie thing and that's it like that's the whole movie and they just they (laughs) like they chase these characters around from set piece to set piece and that's it like that's literally the whole movie
0: Yeah, which could be cool. You know, I mean, we like that sort of thing, and we've seen it in other movies, and we've praised it. You know, we liked The Midnight Hour, how that kind of threw back the thriller in a way, with the different kind of zombies coming out of the ground and whatnot. But here... They also try to add a lot of slapstick to it, like one zombie guy's coming out of the ground, he's reaching his hand out, and another zombie comes by and steps on his hand, he's like, ooh, and then he tries reaching his hand out again, and another zombie steps on his hand, he's like, ooh, and then, you know, he thinks he's coming all the way out, and another zombie comes and steps on his head and pushes him down into the ground, and once again, the first movie had comedy, but it wasn't like this. No, it wasn't that slapsticky. No, it it sort of arose out of the situations, right? Uh, and here, it's just trying very hard to be slapsticky, and so there are all these gags with the zombies, and some of them are cool. I mean, you know, if these things existed in a better movie, we'd probably be laughing at them. You know, there's a point where a woman gets bit by a zombie, and she ends up tearing his jaw off, and uh, you know, there's that whole sequence you referred to where they're trapped in a hospital and the kid goes off alone and he gets attacked by the zombie and the sister comes in and, and blows it in half and then its like lower half is looking for its upper half and it's walking around. We even got something like that in the first movie where they had to saw that zombie's head off and so there was that sort yeah. of headless corpse walking around. But, but again, it just organically seemed to come a little better, a little more natural out of the situations Whereas here, it just feels like they're trying really hard. Like what you said when they release the gas. They have an encounter with our iconic, you know, slime. I mean, they're even doing this again. They're doing this tar zombie creature again. Uh, But this second time around, it just doesn't look as good. Nope, it doesn't look as good. And, uh, you know,
1: all that, like, when... So when the zombies are... You know, rising out of their graves There are all those jokes You know, with them getting pushed back into the grave Or, I don't know, all kinds of goofy stuff going on And the the first time, I was rolling my eyes But I was thinking, okay, I get it Hardy har, that's funny But then it just... Went on like that through <laughs> the whole thing, and like it's, it was funny for a second, but I'm not amused anymore. Yeah, and I, I had no idea what the, I, I don't know. I, I talk about the rules, you know, like the rules and like what are the rules? Like what are these zombies? Like some of them are just like groaning zombies, but then some of them are like stand-up comedians, yes. like. Yes. Can- <laughs> like, like they can talk and they like are shooting off one liners and heads are saying things like get that damn screwdriver out of my head like like yeah what yeah. like why can why are some of you entirely sensible and you know like have consciousness and then the rest of you are
0: just mindless brain eating corpses and once again we had this in the first movie, but it worked there. The thing about the zombies, and, and this is one thing that was neat about this movie, that we, we I really praised anyway about it, is that it, it did go a little bit of a different direction from Romero's zombies. The zombies were a little bit quicker, they had an intelligence about them, and they did occasionally talk, but it was it was not through the whole movie. And when it did happen, it was funny. There's the zombie going brains into the camera, which is just... At one point, it's like half terrifying and half drop-dead hilarious. Uh Then there's that really great scene where they have the half-zombie woman strapped to the table because they realize she can talk and they want to interrogate her and find out why are you doing this? Why are you eating brains? And it's not like she suddenly can talk like a normal person. She's struggling to speak but, you know, and she's speaking really slowly, and it seems really painful. And she explains, oh, well, you know, it's pain, the pain, the pain. You know, they eat the brains to dull the pain or whatever of being dead. And, and, and that's a that's a cool scene. And there's even a gag in the first one, which I remember, which I was totally able to let slide because it was so funny, where I think some cops get killed, and then they send in more cops, and they get killed. And then the cops come over the radio, and uh, one of the zombies picks up the radio and says, "Sand." more cops <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. like
0: that and it's hilarious
1: well and there's a throwback to that in this movie where at some point all the characters i mean like we've got this core group of characters there's jesse is the good kid he's got a stuck-up sister named lucy she's got a love interest named tom and then there's ed who is the grave digger and Joey, who is his assistant and Brenda, who is his girlfriend. And they all kind of run around together all the time. At at some point, some of them are dead and blah, blah, blah. But some of them have hijacked an ambulance and they get on like the walkie or whatever it's called on the ambulance. And they're like, is anybody there? Is anybody there? And a zombie in the hospital picks it up. Come to the hospital. Show me right there. Hold it, hold it. Uh, pardon me, but could you tell me who the president of the United States is? Uh, Harry Truman. I just don't get it. Like, some of them, it's almost like some of them are still almost like regular people. And I could almost deal with that if it were consistent, but it's not. Like, if it were consistent that fresh zombies, like people who had just died, still retained some of their consciousness, which I feel like is kind of what they were going for, but it was inconsistent. Because sometimes it would be old, crusty, gross old zombies that would be talking. It just didn't make any
0: sense. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, it was just it was just too much. You know, too much of that. Everything we're listing off, is there's a throwback to the first movie. Here they've recreated similar situations from the first movie, except they've done it more poorly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's even a scene where, of course... The same thing is happening to Joey and Ed, which happens in the first movie, which is if you're exposed to this dioxin and you're alive, it slowly turns Right, you
1: but dead. in this movie, it seems totally unexplained. Like, if you've seen the first movie, it makes sense. But if you haven't, like, did we ever see a scene where they were exposed to the gas?
0: Is it just because they happen to be in the mausoleum? Yeah, that's kind of what it has to be. You have to see that they were, yeah, it happened to be in the mausoleum, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Because what about uh, Brenda? She was outside right. the whole time, and this was creeping through the cemetery. I mean, in the meantime, there's all that inconsistency of, like, here are all these zombies popping up left and right, and the graveyard's filled with them. But when Brenda pops out of the van to check on them, she only sees one. Right. And so they go through this same transformation where their skin's turning white and they're going through this rigor mortis and they're in the back of a car and Joey turns to Ed and even says, this feels so familiar, like this has happened before. That was really the only part of the movie that I enjoyed. Like, <laughs> just, be- yes, really? just
1: because it was so obvious like when when (laughs) is it like uh, and first of all their acting is so hammy and i either they weren't directed at all and, and the guy who plays uh joey his name is tom matthews you know he was in the first movie he was one of the stars of the first movie i read that he Hated making this movie. Like, it was just miserable. Like, he just absolutely hated it. He said the only thing that he liked about it was the craft services. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like, they, and, and it was Hammy in the first movie, too. But for whatever reason, it it worked there. But their acting is just so hammy. They're like, oh! Like, you know, they're groaning and they're in such pain. And, like, it's so vocal and so melodramatic. Again, in the first movie, it kind of worked. But here, it just seems... It almost seems like parody.
0: Yeah. It's like parodying their
1: first performances, (laughs) isn't it? And, And it's... How can you... You hardly can call it parody when it literally is the exact same thing Mm -hmm. and and like you said i i feel like we've been here before and you were there and they were there and uh, like yeah i know i saw the first movie too i don't know what's going on either like (laughs) this is so and the exact same thing happens to them again they die like they go through all this agony forever and ever and ever and like Brenda, the girlfriend, just like the girlfriend in the first movie, is desperately, you know, clinging to the boyfriend, like, trying to get people to help him, and, and, you know, hoping that things will work out, and uh, eventually, you know, he dies, which we see by him closing his eyes for a second, and then he opens them again, and he chases her into this church, and It's almost an identical scene. Now, it doesn't go on for nearly as long. I feel like in the original movie,
0: the chase in... Was it a church in the first movie? It was something very much like a church. Oh, gosh. It sure feels like it. I I don't remember, but I remember thinking the same thing. I was like, there was a scene like this in a tr- yes, where movie.
1: where <laughs> the infected boyfriend chases the girlfriend around, and he's like, "I love you. Why won't you let me eat your brains?" And it went on for longer mm. in the first movie. In this one, like he chases her for like five seconds, and he's like, "Your brains smell so delicious and spicy," <laughs> 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 and she, and she's like spicy and he's like yes she's like okay And then, <laughs> she,
0: then she just lets him <laughs> eat her brains and that's it that's the end that's the last we ever see of them oh that was so annoying she just literally just sits there and goes oh okay well <laughs> yeah. have at it and he and- bites into her head like an <laughs> apple she just sits there what oh god i i couldn't stand that bit and even just like in the first movie they go and they end up finding a doctor and, in the first movie, the doctor was quite a quirky character. He was more of a mortician, yeah. I guess, and, and he actually helped out. He became kind of one of the team, trying to escape the zombies and survive. but you know, he also interrogated that woman and strapped her down and came up with theories about what was going on in this movie, They meet up with a doctor, and the doctor in this movie um is played by a very prolific character actor named Philip Bruns, whose performance is really out of another era. Yeah,
1: he's got a a Groucho Marx kind of thing, like, ha-ha, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) just completely ambivalent to what's going on, more yuck, yuck, yuck about everything that's happening around him, and aloof.
1: Always looking for booze, like, that's his primary Mm -hmm. concern. I don't know, to be frank... Thank goodness for him. I actually found him kind of amusing. He's he's such a minor character, but at least, you know, like when he's examining the guys who are dying but are not dead yet and like he like he he's like stick out your tongue and Joey does and he takes the stick that the doctors use to hold down your tongue and he just like pushes the tongue back in like oh oh, oh, i don't want to see that like i mean it was very goofy and slapsticky but i don't know if it's because this guy was older and he came from a different era
0: but at least he sold it a little bit yeah well he committed (laughs) to what he was probably instructed to do and if you know if you could kind of like draw a little bubble around him (laughs) (laughs) And just consider his performance as not really being associated with what's going on around him. You're right. It was more entertaining than maybe anything else that was going on around him. Yeah. But it didn't fit, you know? And again, they're trying to make this funny. Oh, it doesn't fit, you know? Hardy, har, har. But it just didn't work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. As far as plot is concerned, like, they run to the hospital first. And there's the whole shoot a zombie in half. And, and I don't know how they did that. I, I, to be fair, I guess, you know, the the effects there were pretty good where you've got, you know, the legs walking around and the upper half, like, trying to reconnect with the legs. And I liked that bit, actually. I thought that was fun. I thought that it was a nice touch that there was, like, a stump of the spine sticking up <laughs> out of the waist of the lower part of the body. That actually you know it, it, as far as special effects are concerned look pretty good the special effects overall aren't bad some of the zombies at times are clearly wearing masks yes that was a little distracting yeah and and so it's it's not always great but it's it's not terrible either you know i just r- was thinking as i was watching it i hang out with theater people and a lot of my friends were theater majors in college and I, I kept thinking my friends could do this you know like like <laughs> like stage makeup you know like that's it looked like stage makeup and that's not to say that it doesn't look bad I have some very talented friends but I don't know on film it, it just didn't always read some of it looked okay some of it didn't and some of like sometimes the zombies were like lumbering around and then sometimes they were walking really
0: fast like it was just really inconsistent well a lot of them were played by the same people yeah and what they did was the special effects guy went in and made a, a whole bunch of different masks basically different cheeks different forehead pieces different chin pieces and things so that they could kind of create almost an endless combination of different zombies for different shots and still use a lot of the same people so um, actually Scuzz from the original movie Return of the Living Dead um, yeah. was a number of the zombies uh, in this movie. He played quite a few of them, including the Michael Jackson zombie, yeah. who makes an appearance at the end, which we can talk about later. But yeah, you're right. It, the overall effect was, especially when compared to the really great like animatronic zombies that you get, like that zombie head and the crusty... Even the the not so good but still acceptable like tar zombie they just look very different from these other zombies who are obviously people wearing masks made up right and and there
1: were some that were really good like you already mentioned at one point brenda gets attacked and the zombie like bites her fingers and she rips the lower part of his jaw off that looks cool it, it looked like they spent time on it. And it looked good. There was one zombie lady who had with the worms oh coming my out of her her face, and like the worms moved around. Like that was that fantastic. looked really cool. Yeah, yeah
0: like she, that was awesome. It was like so many worms. She's almost like a Medusa with worms coming yeah, out of her face. Right. It was really
1: cool.
0: <laughs> so you know, in there, there was some really good stuff,
1: but it was kind of few and far between.
0: There's another scene, too, where they're in the car, and I think this is before the two guys turn completely, but there's a zombie on the roof, and it reaches in, and they roll the window up on his hand, and it chops his hand off. And there's a long, kind of, again, Three Stooges-esque scene, or or Mm -hmm. Evil Dead, whatever you want to call it, where they're fighting with the hand that's crawling around back there like Thing. Yeah. you know, And it's pretty obvious that they got just a hand with a stump attached to it, and... Maybe the rest of the the arm is painted black that they're running around on these people. But it was shot in such a way that it was, it was done pretty well. But I was, I don't know, by that point I was kind of groaning at these sort of gags. You know, I thought, oh, here's the hand loose in the back of the car. Ha ha ha. You know? And it's it's gonna grab the doctor's
1: wiener, like you know, as as soon as the doctor says, "I don't know why everybody's freaking out," it's just a severed hand, and so then it grabs his wiener, and like, Like, that's the joke. Okay, throw it out of the window now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Punchline done. Jesse, uh, the boy, and his sister, Lucy, uh, I think at one point also run into an abandoned house. One thing that's really strange, and, uh, you know, is an unanswered question for quite a bit of the film, is why? where is everybody else? I mean, yeah. we, only, we only have these six or so characters, and they're running through town, and they're driving up and down, and there's nobody there. And at first, it was really distracting. I mean, they even go into somebody's house. They break in, um, and Lucy, and they grab some guns out of this gun cabinet that's that's sitting there uh, and i guess there's supposed to be this big hilarious reveal that lucy is a sharpshooter but it's not really as cinematic as as it was probably intended to be so okay she's a sharpshooter it's not like she's a total badass or anything you know no. during the movie uh, and then finally when they get to the hospital and the hospital's empty is when the characters start remarking hey you know where is everybody that's kind of strange And there's one line that basically explains it. We start to see the the army, which, I don't know, is an interesting addition to the movie. I don't understand this at all, really, because we get a couple shots of the army from the beginning. We, We get the original scene at the beginning, like you said, that sort of sets up the loss of the canisters. A little bit later, not too long after that, we get another scene that shows that they've recovered two of the canisters, so they know one is missing, but... They don't have a clue where it is. Mm -hmm. And then later on in the movie, the Jesse actually goes back to that canister after those kids opened it, sees that, you know, it's open. That's when he has the encounter with the zombie, I think. Yeah. But um, he copies the phone number for the army off of the canister, which I think is kind of funny, because in the first movie, you know, they also had these phone numbers on the canister, like, call the army here, if you have this thing. Right. Nobody it's did like, anything. It's like it. a 1-800 number. <laughs> like, if you find, if you happen
1: to come across this zombie canister, <laughs> call this number. Right. <laughs>
0: It's like a lost phone or a backpack or something. It's funny. It's kind of a cool a bit because he calls from their home. And this is in the 80s. You know, we didn't have caller ID or anything. Right. He calls from his phone. It finally gets patched through to this army general out in the field. And he picks it up. He says hello. And before Billy can say anything, a couple of the other characters who were driving that van drive it into the telephone line for the neighborhood or something. And it cuts off all of the phones uh, in there. So he can't even get a word out. And once
1: again, that
0: phone call is verbatim
1: a phone call that was made in the first movie. That's right. That's right. I guess they think they're being
0: clever here, or... I guess. I don't know. (laughs) But, so, sometime between that unsuccessful phone call and about two minutes later, I don't know, what we find out is the army has cleared out the town. Now, A, why did they know that was the town? because the phone call was unsuccessful B say they were able to track the phone call anyway and so they made it to that town why weren't any of these characters who by this point are running around the neighborhood between these houses getting rounded up in this I mean it's not going to be easy to evacuate all these people out of a town but there's a throwaway line by a couple military guys sitting on a jeep downtown I'm telling you Sarge we cleared out the town
1: we should be way over here well, and that's another thing, too. Like, I know you're a military kid, and I'm certainly not. I have respect for the military, but I don't have any, you know, connections to them or whatever. But it, it paints the army or whoever this is supposed to be as being totally
0: stupid and oh, yeah. Like, it, it's just so dumb. Like, From the very beginning. It, I mean, the guy who's driving that, that first truck is, like, listening to stereo on his speakers and smoking a joint. I mean yeah. come on. <laughs> right. Take care of it. Right. And
1: then there's there's one point where these two good looking at least, <laughs> like soldiers <laughs> are sitting in a Jeep and like the thriller horde comes around the corner as they have every four minutes for the whole movie.
0: I joined the army to see the world, not this. Get hold of yourself, son, you're an American soldier. We got a firefight in our hands. And the enemy's already
1: dead. You. <laughs> <laughs> and then they start shooting the zombies and the zombies just get up and kill them. Like it's just it's yeah. If I were military, I might be a little
0: irritated. <laughs> it's over the top, total cartoon, you know, just just like the doctor really. It's just a cartoon performance by these supposed military people that doesn't Again, it's trying to be funny by creating these stereotypes and using these parodies but it just doesn't really work because none of it makes a lot of sense in the context of the movie i thought there you know there was a scene though um in the empty town that i thought was probably gonna gonna make you turn over and cry oh <laughs> it wasn't graphic
1: enough but uh, i was a little perturbed <laughs> <laughs> that
0: the, the zombies broke into a pet store and started eating all the pets <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, but it just looked like they were, like, ravaging stuffed animals, so it didn't really bother <laughs> me all that much. But it was funny to me because it was like, that was, like, the straw that broke the camel's back for Tom. Like, I know, right? Tom, Like, Tom the hot hero, like, he sees this and he's like, I'm just not gonna take it anymore! <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, chases down this zombie, like, they're driving an ambulance at this point, because... Why not and uh, <laughs> he uh, he he's like I, I I know they're already dead, but I'm gonna get one anyway, and so he like rams it into this huge electric sign and it electrocutes the zombie and the zombie dies, which I didn't pay any attention to, and then later on, when they made their way to the power plant, I'm like,
0: "Oh, I see what they're doing here." <laughs> Basically, they can't leave the town, because although the military has taken great pains to clear it of all the people... Apparently, after that, if you're a person still left in the town, you're screwed. Yeah. Because uh, they drive down, I guess, down the only bridge that leads out of town. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's a tank and, you know, like a whole battalion of people just standing there waiting to shoot at anything that comes by. That was one of
1: my favorite lines, actually. Like, they, they try to get out over that one bridge out of town or whatever, and the military... Like a whole like I, twenty <laughs> soldiers with machine guns are shooting at them, but they're fine and yeah. the ambulance is fine, like the, <laughs> the tires aren't even flat or anything. And they drive away and then the doctor's like Interesting situation.
0: Soldiers in front, and zombies in the back. Maybe we should slip off the side and have a cocktail or uh, no? <laughs>
1: I think that was the smartest thing anybody said in the whole movie. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So their big idea is to go to the meatpacking plant and get all of the cow and calf and lamb and sheep brains, pork brains, whatever they can grab, Uh, and then from the back of the van that they're driving the the ambulance or whatever they're tossing these brains out like hansel and gretel you know (laughs) luring the zombies down a path through the city to the big power plant and there's a spot between the big generators or whatever they are transformers that is also a little wet and tom rigs up some it basically destroys pulls the wires out from the transformers it's all movie stuff you know throws yeah, the yeah. wires down in the water uh, and then their goal is that they're going to have the doctor once they call him i guess on the on the radio from the inside turn the power switch on which is going to electrocute all of them between the transformers but of course, that doesn't quite go right, because he leaves his radio there, so the doctor can't get called quite in time. And the zombies break through, because the evil Billy. boy zombie, Billy, yeah. climbs over the fence, comes to the other side, opens up the gate for all the zombies to come through. So, uh, they're trapped in the van, and then they're not. And I guess there's a, a fight sequence, basically, kind of a final battle between Billy and uh, Jesse. Billy ends up electrocuted the doctor helps out with that and then they flip the switch just in time for all the zombies between the two breakers to get electrocuted
1: right after Lucy and Tom make out for a second yeah that's right there's always time to pause and make out right like the (laughs) zombies are like they're in the back of this big meat packing truck or whatever and the zombies are breaking in and when they first encountered one another like he was coming to repair her cable or something and he's like don't you remember me I used to go to school with you and she's like no I don't remember you and then in this moment when they're about to die she's like I did remember you and (laughs) they make out
0: So um, it was dumb, and and then speaking of dumb, at the last minute, also during one of our final shots of the zombies getting electrocuted, a zombie dressed exactly like Michael Jackson from Thriller leaps up into frame and jolts a few dance moves before he falls yeah. down. And, not a bad dancer, uh, no, not at me. all. <laughs> well, that was um, that was our guy. That was our guy, Brian Peck. Yeah, and, and it turns out that that was like a total last minute thing on the set. Brian Peck had actually when they were standing around filming these final zombie scenes had noticed that one of the extras had come with a replica Michael Jackson jacket on like I guess as a joke. He pointed this out to the special effects guy and he said, "Hey, follow me." So they took the jacket and he puts he spent like at least a couple hours while they were shooting or doing something else putting him in this Michael Jackson makeup and he brings him out and the director takes one look at him and says, "Absolutely not." <laughs> <laughs> and all the producers there are like shaking their heads, no, 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 no. And he said, I ser- he said, I seriously I sat there for eleven or twelve hours in this makeup, waiting for all that to finish, and finally by the end, it's like the director just had this sudden change of heart and just like, Okay, okay, fine, fine, just go in there, go in there. He gets the shot rolling and then he's like, Alright, go up, do your thing And he said, I-, I didn't believe it was ever gonna make the the final cut of the movie So they were all very shocked. Obviously that that bit made it into the movie when they finally saw. It was saw
1: one it. of the best parts of the movie. Thank God it did make it in. Yeah, I mean it, it, like it's it's literally like maybe 5 seconds, but it was fun. And again, like that's another one of those things like this it felt like a sleepover movie like Yeah. That's hilarious. You know, uh-huh, like it's 1988 or
0: 1989
1: and ha, 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 <laughs> It's Michael Jackson. Like that's it's great. It's one of my favorite parts.
0: <laughs> well, you know, the thing that I liked so much about the first movie, it was so punk. It did these neat things with the zombie. It had this killer soundtrack. Yeah, it was over the top and stereotypical. You had this group of kids who would never be hanging out together in real life. You know, you had these preppy, the jockey, the nerdy, the, the Linnea Quigley characters naked for half the movie. Um, and, you know, the guy with the earrings and the, you know, just total punk. But... It just had an edge to it, you know? It had yeah. kind of a fun edge, and it really, it, it moved, you know? That movie was driving and moving, and um, the comedy came out of the situations. I thought the acting, even though it was really campy, was really fun. Yeah. And this movie is just campy in a totally different way. It's, it's trying to be campy, and I yeah. think I've kind of discovered that when you're trying to be campy, most of the time the results are not so good it just depends you know when
1: you said when you're trying to be campy it doesn't always work well that's not always the case i mean no we not watched, always what did we watch with poultry geist like obviously yeah. like that was going for the camp and it succeeded in in that way i didn't love that movie but i appreciated it for what it was like it it was going for gags and laughs and that's that's fine but this was it was just really uneven and like even at the very end like the last thing we see after all you know all of the zombies they they do they electrocute them all of them and they all drop dead and and the last thing we see is our Final survivors, Lucy and Tom and Jesse and the doctor, you know, walking away and the doctor still talking about getting a drink or whatever, and they walk out of frame. And then it's the military going and burning all these corpses. And then there's just this one head that's like, Oh, come on, guy. Back off of that thing I got gas. Don't hit a girl when she's down. Oh, Oh, Okay, no more brain. You win for now. <laughs> and that's, that's the very last. Like all of a sudden, you've got this jive talking zombie head, and it's not the first talking zombie head we've seen. So it's not like this is new or anything. But it's just so silly, and it just it just felt really uneven. You, know, I saw that you know people. I, I read online that people said that it was like an E.T. copycat. Like, what? Like, I don't see that at all. E.T. was a great movie about <laughs> kids, and, and like, that was super fun. And, I, I mean, I guess if you're talking about kind of going for the kid audience, I understand that. But it just it just felt really uneven. Like, it, it wasn't sure what it wanted to be, and it was – in parts kind of trying to be scary, but in other parts just being over-the-top ridiculous, and it just, it, it
0: really, really didn't work for me. <laughs> I, You know, I think maybe just over time, people overanalyze and dissect these movies so much that they find these, you know what I mean? I think that's where comments like that come from. Some There's some fan of this movie out there, probably who saw it as a kid and really had fond memories yeah. of it, because, you know... We we have movies like that, right? Oh yeah, we've done a couple recently where uh, we love them as kids. We don't appreciate them so much as adults, but we're still colored by our initial feelings for them. They probably then look at it and start making these ridiculous comparisons to E. T. and saying that it, you know, it's a genre masterpiece or a cult classic. It's not going to show up in my list as a cult classic Mm-mm. by any means. I love the original. You know, we can't finish this episode without mentioning. A special appearance in this movie by Forrest J. Ackerman. I don't know. Do you know who Forrest J. Ackerman is? No. Um, he is was super famous. He's the guy who basically coined the term sci-fi. One of the largest collectors of memorabilia in history he had a house that was basically like a museum. And he was a literary agent for tons of science fiction authors like Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov... Wow, a lot of people call him like the Godfather of Sci-Fi. Like he was the biggest supporter, biggest fan of the genre. And not only was he an agent, but he had he was a magazine editor. He wrote science fiction himself. He's done appearances in like uh, at least a hundred movies. You know, like this, just kind of little cameos because he's so beloved by people. Who was he? He was that zombie who broke into the garage. Remember when the doctor points out the neighbor that he knew? Oh yeah, yeah. And here's the funny thing. This is like how clueless this director is. He had him take off his glasses. And this is a guy like, you know, it would be like telling Groucho Marx to take off his glasses. Like, that's his trademark. Right. Like, that's how you recognize him. And he didn't even know that. So here's this this really famous guy. He's put in this movie... To, to to put a reference to, and he's had him take off his trademark glasses for the role. You know, it's kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad. But he's in this movie. It's kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I what you said, if I had seen this movie when I was 11, I, I might have had fond memories of it, but... I'm not eleven anymore. Like that time is <laughs> that time has <is> passed. <laughs> so we liked the first one, we gave the second one a shot. I'm not in any huge even though, you know, I guess the third one supposedly kind of takes a new direction or whatever, I would certainly hope so, because overall, I gotta give and I don't do this very often, folks I try to be optimistic about
0: things but I gotta give this one a big thumbs down Well, I think they made a big mistake they brought the wrong actors back, if they had brought back Linnea Quigley to dance around naked a little bit then I would given yeah. this movie much higher rating <laughs> <laughs> thank you again for listening to another episode if you enjoyed it please share us with a friend you can tell them that we're available anywhere you can find podcasts just search for two guys in a chainsaw you can also search for us on Facebook Uh, leave us a comment there tell us what you thought of this episode Uh, we are done with our sequels for this month we're going to go back and uh, pick up requests again we've gotten a few extra requests that came in during a request month in January that we want to honor and so we're going to be picking and choosing a few of those it's definitely not too late Uh, To submit your requests, we will do them either now or in the somewhat near future. Until the next time we see you, I am Todd, and I'm Craig with two guys and a chainsaw.